Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and today I'm joined by my very special guest, someone who taught me a lot about the subject we're covering today. That is Ian Valter, who is a LARPer for the game Twin Mask. Ian and I know each other socially and uh, through his fiance, whom I've worked with before, but we've never had the opportunity to talk about LARPing, and it's always been something that I've been fascinated with, though... Like most of us, my understanding of Lark Beam was pretty limited to what I see on TV or media or movies like uh, role, uh, role Models and um, you know YouTube videos. But talking with Ian and getting to see his perspective on it really opened my eyes to how socially balanced uh, the, the LARPing community is, how, how inclusive it is, how diverse it is, how... Um, how, how there is a shared camaraderie amongst the players there. There is this sense of communal energy that is fed into this fantasy world that they've created. And as you're here on the podcast, it feels like some of the lessons that are uh, some of the some of the attributes that this game has can be lessons that we can take from and implement into the real world. And I think that's really important. And so I hope you all enjoy this. I, if you have no understanding of what LARPing is, live action role playing, if you if you only have a, sort of the stereotypical view and understanding of it, I think that this podcast will open your eyes to a much different view of this kind of activity. And, and whether you get into LARPing or you find some other social activity to do in real life with folks that you don't inherently know I think that the importance of such activities is should definitely come out as very clear after listening to this. So I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you. I know it's a little bit later when this podcast comes out. Long weekend shooting overnight. I appreciate you waiting for me and I appreciate you for listening as always. And so without further ado, my guest today, Ian Valter, talking about LARPing. I went to bed around 730 this morning. Right. So uh, it's been a little bit of a rough go, but how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I am uh, loving the weather that we have so far. It's still a little bit chilly and I will uh, stay without the heat for as long as I can. Well, so for those who don't know, you're in California where I normally live. Um, but of course, I'm stuck in upstate New York in the snow, right. which is the complete opposite of what you're experiencing right now. Yes. Uh, we did have some weird hail for a little bit that kind of flooded over LA, but you know. Um, we're good overall. <laughs> That's random. So, so Ian, one of the reasons why I want to chat with you, other than uh, we sort of we went well, we I, I know your fiance. Uh, we work together. Yes, and, and so we sort of know each other. And you actually built for us uh, some coffee mug racks. Right, right. I was, I was yeah. just randomly looking for someone, and, and it turns out that you're good with woodwork. And um, so, but you made a post the other day that I thought was really fascinating. You uh, are engaged with and play. I believe it's called Twin Mask, correct? Yes, yes, Twin Mask. And so for those people who don't know, it is a live action role playing game. Uh, but but tell people more about kind of what Twin Mask entails. Yeah, so um, it is uh, live action role playing or LARP um, that everybody, uh, the colloquial term, if you will. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it involves a lot, actually. Uh, overall, on a base format, you are living through a story that has been presented to you by those who run the game as mm -hmm. a character you have created. Okay. 
Um, and those things can be anywhere from uh, there's combat in this LARP. Not all LARPs have that, but there's combat in this one. There's also uh, big, big and heavy story elements. And that's what they actually uh, stress in Twin mm-hmm. Masks the most is a through line, a narrative and a ever developing or developing story. Okay. Interesting. And how much free reign do you have to further that story? Like how are you sort of given a sort of a broad strokes map of what your, your storyline is or, or are there various checkpoints where they, where someone I'm not as familiar with dungeons and dragons, but I I, I can imagine that it's something, do you have a DM type person who says now this occurs and you then have to pivot sort of almost in a, um, What's it called when comedians do it? Like ad-libbing? Um, yeah. the uh, um, improv Right, improv. So uh, improv is actually the word I was going to use as well. Um, the most interesting thing about the... So this so the event is held over a weekend. So mm-hmm. we show up Friday and then we uh, play from 8 o'clock on Friday till uh, ungodly early in the morning uh, <laughs> <laughs> until Saturday. And then you get uh, what is less sleep than you thought you were going to. And then you wake up and do it again until ungodly early hours in <laughs> Sunday morning. And then you sleep for a little bit and then pack up and go home. Um, cool. But overall of that is the story is not relayed to the players at all. Oh. Um, everything is happening behind the scenes and they just put things out into the world. So there are things that happen on the site that we play at that I have no idea what's happening on the other end. Um, I just hear about it later. Uh, Some characters came in or NPCs, non-player characters uh, come Mm -hmm. in and reveal something about the story that later on they disappear and somebody has to tell me about it later because I wasn't there at the time. So there are checkpoints. There are story points that they are putting out there. Some things do have deadlines. Uh, People will come out and say, oh, well, at 11 o'clock tonight, so-and-so is going to be out. You have to look for them. They're going to be wearing this, this, and this. And then they leave. And that's about as what you get. And if you're not paying attention to it or following up on those through lines, there's a possibility of missing something. Mm-hmm. But I think that brings a lot of joy to the game because there's a constant form of mystery. Right, right. So. Well, what's so cool about it is that, you know, in I feel like in our modern society, we are oftentimes sort of beaten down by the by the the grim realities of the of the quote unquote real world. And it's it's very common for us to tr- to seek solace in some sort of enchantment or fantasy. Right. Um, certainly, you see that a lot in television. And one of the things that I was talking to you about right before we hit record was that it feels like there's this this slow but but uh, recognizable shift in the way that the sort of main world views fantasy and fantasy lore in particular. Certainly, uh, to I would say much lesser degree, you have your Harry Potters, but then you know you had your Lord of the Rings, you had your mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, you have your Vikings. I just finished watching mm-hmm. the first season of Vikings Valhalla. It does seem like a, a genre in movies that used to be sort of niche has started to explode, and people are finding um, a connection to sort of being immersed in that world. And, and speaking of immersions, like in Los Angeles, for example, there's these immersive events you can go to where, um, there right. are actors and they're carrying out a storyline that you as the audience may not have all the, kind of what you're describing, right? Like you don't right. have all the information, but you're kind of 
guided through it. And there's this interactive connectivity between you and the storytellers in a way that I feel like is unique to either an immersive experience or LARPing, which I would consider kind of very much the same thing. It it feels like this is, or or at least can be, if we can continue to move past uh, the stereotypes that are sort of surrounded mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. A, a viable form of escapism of the real world, and also, uh, which is really appealing to me, a way to connect with other people in real life, not on social media, but in an actual engagement with a, a, a shared interest. Right. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think. Escape is an interesting thing because if you ask a bunch of people who LARP, you'll get different answers on if they view it (laughs) as an escapism or not. Um, It's fascinating because when you're playing a character, you want to make them just like any good author would as believable Mm -hmm. as possible. You want to add in faults. You want to have, you know, a personality. A lot of people use different accents and things. So, and their struggles are real. If that world was real, just like a fantasy novel such as Lord of the Rings, right? There's no, there's Mm -hmm. no point where they weren't struggling to do what they had to do. So escapism is interesting because I think Dungeons and Dragons can be easier to find an escape Mm -hmm. in because you're Mm -hmm. sitting around a table. But when you're trying to live this at a moment uh, and trying your best to, and sometimes getting caught up in it, completely honest uh about there are events that can happen where you don't know how you're going to react and they just kind of happen at the game and you just have to roll with it um escapism can be hard to find sure Um, yeah but that doesn't mean that i don't get to run around with a sword and shield in my hand and (laughs) that's not something well i could do it in la and it probably wouldn't be looked upon too weird if i was in downtown but the right. <laughs> um but overall uh it's um yeah it, it's uh there's definitely a lot of escapism to it at least for me when i move when i go through well and not only that but the, the concept I, I just i got this idea of the concepts of what reality is mm. and, and truly reality is sort of whatever we make it right and i right. think that um, depending on what sort of subgroup you may belong to or what aesthetic you're drawn towards, your worldview is is shaped by that. It's 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 Absolutely. Uh, colored by that. Um, I'll give you a great example. I'm a big fan of the movie Gladiator. And generally, okay. I love s- swords and sandal type right. uh, media. Um, I'm out here filming in upstate New York, and it's very cold and it's snowing. And um, during the first week of us filming – you know, I have a big jacket that I that I got when I got here. It's got like a fur, a fake fur collar, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like a, a an army olive green. And I was walking out from where I I was base camping out of, and I was walking past all these tents that we had because we we're filming outside. So we have all these tents set up for the gear and what have you to keep from the mm-hmm. snow. And as I was walking through it, and I was walking through the slush on the ground, and I have these giant like evergreen trees all around me, I could not help but imagine the opening scenes of Gladiator. Right, uh, right. And, and I was just thinking, like in in that moment, I was transported. Mm. I wasn't a producer on a film set, you know. I was transported into this world, or at least I could see the parallels of a world that was different, clearly but not maybe so different than the world that we, that we call the real world, our mundane right. world. 
so I don't want to get too meta with this, but it's interesting <laughs> you bring this up because it's, um, and I, I explain this to people when they say, I just don't understand how you can get so into it. And at a point, there, there's been 300 people out there, right? Yeah. It's not a small gathering. And that is an agreed upon reality. And to get, to not get too far into the meta, but we all agree with the construct of we've set forward what is time, what is an right. hour, what is a minute. And we just run with that our entire life. Right. And I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to get too far into it, but that for those days, you're in a reality that 300 other people have agreed upon. Right. At what point it's, it's easy to see when you put it that way. I feel there is a point that you cross into, this is what I'm doing right now. And this mm-hmm. is all I have to worry about. Right. Um, is, is the storyline that's coming out of, wherever like the npcs that are coming out or the combat that's coming out or um it the agreed upon reality means you can take it seriously and you can still have fun and there's great stories to share afterwards um especially with the things that you've missed on other sides of the uh the where we play but that agreed upon reality is the core of larp i think Uh, And it's at some point, I'm not saying it isn't fake or it isn't put together as a fantasy realm, but there is some truth to it of what happened that weekend because everybody says it happened. Right. <laughs> right? right. So right. you start getting that interesting mindset of that. It brings into another concept uh, in LARPing world called bleed hmm. and bleed is when, and it can go in both directions you've had like a really bad game and then you go to show up to work the next day and you're just kind of upset and frustrated yeah, because yeah. that's what happened. Or you had a really bad week, like work week and then you go to game and everyone's saying, why are you so mad? <laughs> like what, what's going right. on? What happened? And that bleed in between the real world and what is agreed upon within this story. Um, that is one of the, biggest points of contention with LARPers that we have to like fight to make sure that we're not bleeding in either direction because when you have that many people again agreeing upon a reality it's easy to get caught up in it sure well and also not only that but there's there's a couple things at play here number one I I often think I for for that for the average person who's listening to this and maybe doesn't has never done any sort of role-playing games or um uh, any immersive experience and trying to understand what it would be like to allow one's mind to give in to this reality that you're building. Imagine when you go to see, I'll just randomly pick a movie fast and furious. Mm. I would reckon that 90% of people who get in their car go a little faster or, right. or just to drive the, the car now to home for a little further. If you're in your car and like a great rock song comes on versus mm-hmm. a slow song, your body will naturally evolve and, and adjust to the stimulus around it, right? I, I mean, I guess I'm a cinephile and I'm a movie nerd, but like I've been into many movies that I've walked in feeling like I'm like I'm taking that part of that movie with me. If right. it's an action film, I feel kind of like jacked up, and mm-hmm. you know, if it's something more contemplative, I'm in my head more. And uh, of course, music we all can recognize. You have those right. same experiences. Right. I would <laughs> imagine that yeah, when you're when you're around. 299 other people mm-hmm. who are all committing 
right. to this being as real as possible. Who are all committing to the the rules? I mean, like you mentioned earlier, we, we as a society agree to certain rules. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. we're born into them and we agree to them before right. we have an, the the proper age of consent. But we we accept it as truth. Right. And based on those truths that many folks never question, this is what forms our version of reality. But but it's arbi- it's somewhat arbitrary in some regard, right? Yeah, and I, I think we we also find ways in our daily life to alter our own reality every mm-hmm. step we can. Um, and you bringing up the movies and such, it's the reason IMAX exists, right? <laughs> like I know right. it's 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 a thing, but you want to be surrounded by this world, this mm-hmm. picture. You want to be taking it in as much as you can to not be to to lose yourself. And not think about, oh, I'm in a seat with all these people surrounded. You don't care about right. that. You want you right. want to be in the middle of it. And everyone does it. I I I laugh at people that who have told me, you know, the, oh well LARPing's really nerdy. And I'm like, that's really interesting. You went to Disneyland dressed up as a <laughs> Star Wars character to go take pictures in front of the Millennium Falcon. Right. You are three quarters of the way to a LARP. Like, <laughs> you, I'm, I, I hate to break it to you, you know? And yeah. It's, I, and I think it's actually a really powerful thing. And I think a lot of people find strength in it is that they can alter that reality for that weekend. Because at one point or another, if you've had that bad week of work and you can separate yourself from it, um, your boss has been just riding you or whatever, you know, for whatever reasons. But then you go for that weekend and this character you've put forth and the way that you've generated the, the atmosphere that you're inside of, you are the leader at this point. Yeah. So you get to take the reins, you know, and hel- and it helps you work through some of those processes of finding your own confidence and other things or working through emotions that you didn't realize you had to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not only that, I mean, w- w- there are very few institutions, organizations, gatherings where 300 plus people will get together <sighs> with a shared interest. There's some, I mean, sports, Right. Certainly would be the most obvious example. Conventions. Conventions, yes, like a comic books, particularly, Mm -hmm. or maybe to a lesser degree. There are some of those things. But for the most part, and I've said this on the podcast many times, a lot of the institutions that used to exist that that fostered the gathering of folks at an older age, at an age past high school or maybe past university, could gather and commune, have kind of gone by the way, the way of the buffalo. They've they've kind of been pushed out in favor of a more digital landscape. Right. And um, I think that's why you see people so passionate about sports mm-hmm. because it's, it's such a rarity to get together with other people and feed off an energy. Um, I believe in something called an egregore or, or egregores more specifically, which is um, to some degree sentient intelligences that can be formed by a collective energy. Right. Mm, it's it's right, why to okay. me, when you go to the theater, even though you might be surrounded by 50 other people, you never feel more one on one with the movie than when you're in a movie theater. Right. You know, when you're at home, you feel like you're at home watching a movie uh, if you're at a friend's house. But when you're at the movie theater and like you said, you're surrounded by it, mm-hmm. the, the, the sound vibrates your skin, the pictures massive, you know, and even. Even as you hear the the people laughing, for example, around you, you feed off that energy and it builds right, what's right. called an egregore. It's this, it's this energy that exists 
around a location generally that is compiled of everyone's giving of their energy, right? And it sort of builds and collects like a collective consciousness of sorts. So I would imagine that when you step onto this field where you've got 300 people gathered, all putting the same energy into this sort of world building and these storylines. And then when you approach it from the perspective like an actor would, Mm. right? or uh, uh, taking on a role that I could easily see why, how, how this entire world would just fuel you deeper and deeper into it until you kind of, I don't want to say lose yourself, but you become completely immersed into it most of the time. And then, and can allow yourself to sort of live there in that reality. I do. Yeah, I, I do. um, I make the jokes uh, with like my fiance is every once in a while will especially if we are interacting together so our characters will do our own things at times mm-hmm. but um, when we're interacting together we start smiling because we realize that we're both standing in front of each other in costume believing every <laughs> word that the other person is saying and there's that like break in reality right. like just smashing sure. break so you never quite lose yourself um, but we do strive to bring that collective energy in Mm-hmm. Um, when, if, if everybody puts these, the, uh, even some energy into the world at some point or another into this scape that we have formed around us, uh, yeah, it, it you can't help but feel it. And I yeah. think that's what draws people in. Um, and our site too, even so for it, it's on a site that they hold Renfair at and it has permanent nice. buildings that look like medieval buildings. Right. all across it so you're walk you're not walking down a you're not in the middle of a field or walking down a city street it's a dirt road with tudor style buildings flanking either side and mm-hmm. there's players who open up multiple like fake bars where you can just like hang out inside of it in the town normal right. things that a town would have are happening so at a point I've, I've i go to places and i go to merchants to buy food while i'm at my larp Right. with fake money from the LARP, but they're handing me like a real grilled cheese sandwich and soup when it's cold outside. Yeah, and at some yeah. point or another, I'm eating soup out of a wood bowl and holding a grilled cheese sandwich with my hand, watching everybody else in the tavern just... Yeah, it, it, it's it's energy you can't avoid at that point. And it's an amazing... It can be an amazing structure to gather people around. Well, it sounds like it, not only that, but it sounds like evidence to me that we as a society have the ability to transform our world into something better. Right. We just right. have to commit, right? Right. If, if you can get 300 people to take over a little area and you add a few visual prompts and mm-hmm. just uh, you know a, a, a fair amount of commitment to it, this world where there are these buildings and these taverns and this can be formed. And maybe, you know, again, the complications of this existing for a month would be much different than a weekend, but still the fact remains that, that it is functionally possible for us to adjust and change the way we live life. We can, you know, so I, I think about this often whenever I watch like, for example, Vikings and I, and I, I sort of have a romanticism towards an older era Mm. And the reality of it is, it was, it was. I, I, I would be certain that it would be extraordinarily harsh and brutal and and crushing Very on a physical so. level in in many regards. So I don't think we should lose ourselves in wanting to go back to a time that is that was, yeah. frankly speaking, we would have been dead by like forty. Right. But but it doesn't mean that we couldn't. We don't have the capacity to take elements of that. 
and incorporate them into our modern world and find a balance between this this concrete monstrosity that we're building and maybe something that feels a bit more organic, something that feels a little bit more connected to a time when we were, as a species, more connected to the earth in a meaningful and productive way. Right. And I, I think that that's... I, that you get to a point too where um and speaking about like making a better world is you never know what's happening at the game and mm-hmm. you'll just have a random person walk up to you and say i need your help and your immediate interaction is always yes how what can i do right you've right. come to me for a reason and i don't it's it's amazing that these people have come together for there's a space where you go yeah what 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 can i help you with and you you never question it further than that you just say yes and then you figure out yeah. what's happening and how you can and i think that's a very special place there's a very uh, agreed upon place that society as a whole will be too busy trying to get to work so we can't stop yeah. to help somebody we're too busy you know we're we're in the middle of grocery shopping and we just got all the frozen food in the cart sorry i can't help you with this right now there's there's so many other excuses mm-hmm. and we can get to an organic at at when you're there and you don't have your cell phone on you and you're cut off from the outside world is how I like play. I, I drop, I tell everybody, don't message me. I'm gone. <laughs> Just like, right. I'll see you guys on Monday. Um, that with all those, without all those extra distractions, you all of a sudden have time to just help anybody who comes along your way or, uh, walk somebody through the town who's new to the game and show them mm-hmm. everything that's there. And it's, there's an organic give and take in the entire community with people. I don't even know their real names. Right. Right. Which right. is also an amazing thing. I don't know them anywhere except here. And yet if I see them again and they need help, I'll be like, Oh, well they helped me that one time. And it just gets into an immediate, there's no other relationship except I'm more than happy to be here for you. And, and it seems yeah. so simple, right? It seems like this it's, it's so simple. We could, we could implicate uh, uh, into our real world, but we, but right. like you said, there's so many distractions and reasons, and we're constantly they're constantly pushing this sort of rugged individualism right. on us. And I think that we've structured our our society in a way where it does it is a possible to exist almost entirely. Uh, with with oneself, completely atomized from the rest of the world, completely autonomous. With all the technology available to you, you could you don't you don't have to you know you could order everything you bought from Amazon, right? Watch anything you want on TV. I mean, you don't even have to leave the house. It's like an agoraphobic uh, fantasy, right? Right. But the problem with that is, is that as a as a human as a species, our humanity, I believe, is very much tied to community. Oh, it's I, tied. I completely agree. To altruism and helping one another and relying on other people. Uh, you know, there was a trend. I don't think I don't know if it's a thing that's so dumb, but do you remember like for a while there, like all these crappy cubicle businesses where you used to have retreats where they would do like trust falls? <laughs> right, and, right. That? Yeah, yeah. So this was all in an effort to supplement a very natural and necessary human need to commune and to interact and to give and rely. And mm. we just generally don't have that anymore. And it's kind of replicated by social media and it's funny that you mentioned oh like you might help someone whose real name you don't know right well that's kind of what social media offers right right? yeah yeah but at the same time 
it's it it's it's very plastic. Uh, you right. know, it's, it's very soulless. It's artificial in many regards, not impossible mm. to form friendships, but it's so no. much more difficult. But I would imagine that when you're on the field and you're there, even if they're not long-term friendships, I would imagine there's at least a camaraderie that is fairly instantaneous just it's, by virtue of being immersed. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not saying by any, any stretch of the imagination that there is like, it runs deeper than like outside of the game you end up making a lot of friends right at one mm-hmm. point or another because you're like oh hey i recognized you because everyone's packing up sunday what's your real name who are you <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah we got stuck in this uh it's really funny it's like i met a player the other uh at the last time i played which was last weekend so mm-hmm. i met another player um i carry a big shield and we were getting just slammed back by the monsters that were attacking the town and another person comes up and busts through and throws another shield next to you and it does not matter who they are it doesn't (laughs) matter where they come from what their name is i don't have to agree on anything except we both want to get out of this right Right, and so there's an immediate immediate jump into or you're going from a story element oh i really want to try to research this thing to find out what is going to happen later on in the game and somebody else says oh i want to look into that and it's an immediate i'm going to help you do that because i don't need to know anything else about you except that we have a common interest and that's enough to start something and i think we need to i think a lot of people need to take that out of the game um is if you see somebody with even one just common interest there's going to be something that you can at least uh, you can form some sort of bond over yeah and i think we lose that over the internet it's harder to explore all those because we we move into spaces on social media that are pinpointed they they are oh i am a part of this group because it is for uh this specific comic book or this specific movie or this and then it takes a longer time because that's what you go there to talk about to find out not only do they live a block away from me, but we both are like, love the same sports team. Right. Yeah. And it's because you're not there to talk about it, that it's like, there's additional bonds that happen yeah. in person in, in meeting somebody in person that social media in ways tries to starts to cut out to a certain extent. It does. It does very much so because everything is, I, I heard uh, some friends of mine who have a podcast described it. They were reading a book called the Twittering machine that talks about social media as a whole. And, and actually where Twitter got its name from, uh, which is based on a painting called the Twittering machine where mm. these mechanical birds are meant to, are designed to lead people into a pit of hell. Like the luring, <laughs> right. it's almost like a siren. Right. So it's really right. fucked up when you think about it, like right, right. <laughs> Twitter is, you know, what Twitter based their name off of. Right. But, one of the the key components I think that you listed that I think helps, which is which is missing in social media, that uh, I think is very a necessary component, which is that, as you were describing, like if you're being if there are monsters and they're attacking, um, there's a common bond, and right. so the mate the mate that grabs their shield and puts it next to yours, they don't have time to ask how specifically do you feel about this political. Uh, you know, uh, issue or how how specific do you feel about the, this movie? Did you <laughs> right, like the new right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre or no? Like, <laughs> right, right. None of that shit matters because no, all that matters it. in this moment is mutual survival. Right. And, we we bonded in times of that, and uh, because 
social media makes it so easy to isolate ourselves and silo ourselves into just a a a, a, a sort of soundproofed room of 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 um, uh, yes men and, right. and um, only favorable comments. There's you never you're, you never have the ability to ascend beyond mutual common ground. Right. You know, and it, if you were to look at, uh, uh, I spend a lot of time reading about and listening about class struggle, and it's one of the things that I think that's really been lost in current America, which is that we look at folks from different places who look different than us, talk different than us, um, maybe even think differently than us, maybe don't even mm-hmm. think great things sometimes, and right. we cannot find a way to bond over the mutual goal. We can't put our shields together as comrades right, and right. as and as uh, working class mates, right? And so we're very, we're very spread to the wind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're very, we're very gather, uh, um, scattered. These kind of events push away some of that atomization. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they return us to a time when, when it was not only um, beneficial, but it was necessary for us to rely on our our you know brothers in arms so to speak yeah and i i think it's it's interesting too because why the con combat is the easiest example i can give i think people who go into this space and play these games they uh you 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 immediately sign up to be more open than mm-hmm. you normally are in real life ever like I, it, it is a, you drop walls immediately because you're going to be going in there and you need to ask people questions. You need to be intuitive with them. You need to listen to every word they're saying. There are times where you're going to see somebody crying and you need to figure out why. And mm-hmm. I know that everybody at one point or another has seen someone who is in the middle of some sort of uh, is, is crying or is, maybe just hung up the phone and looks distraught or something. And we've walked past them. Mm. That is the city life. That is where we're at. Yeah. People, we, we do that. It, it, and, oh, yeah. but I, just this last game, I, uh, well, my fiance and I, we were doing a, what's called a mod with, or mm-hmm. short for module, which is basically a, a scenario that is set up that you agree okay. to go do. Um, and it went South fast. Uh, it was it was we thought we were on it and it went yeah it went bad um lo and behold i got out she did not she was captured in this mod um Mm -hmm. and i thought about it as i was leaving because we had to go try to get her out i it wasn't hard for me especially since it was my fiance i had to leave behind for me to put on the waterworks right because at one point or another no matter if she's playing the character i saw her not make it <laughs> right yeah yeah and but when i leave crying and being open to that emotional state i was comforted by people i still don't know the names of they mm. immediately walk up to you and go oh my god what's happening can i help like it is it is in, it is a raw moment between human beings because you don't want to see someone crying you, yeah. you and we have blinded ourselves to that in our society, but inside of this little reality, the tiny cosmos that we've created, you you immediately open up to, oh my God, how can I help? How what? Yeah. And I still don't know who those people are 
who took me in their arms, right? While I was crying and asked me what happened and walked me down and got me a glass of water, right? Fake or not, the fact that they responded that way is very real, no matter the reason for it. I mean, I would argue it's more real than the way we act in real life. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's more in keeping with who we are as a, as a, as a species, as a humanity. Like it, it is, it is, you know, often has been said, if you look at children, especially children in play, they're the most mm. human that they will ever be in their life. And we lose some of that as we get older and as we banish and tear down these, these former, you know, like the block party, for example. Right. Right. Like your neighbors, yeah. like knowing your neighbors you know, we we're we're lucky where we moved in Glendale that we know a couple of of our neighbors. You know, and yeah, and, that's awesome. Um, yeah, there was like a there was like a, a fella arrested in our front yard, and um, you know, Jess asked the neighbor like, "Hey, can we you know be careful about this?" And then they sent they sent a video footage of the incident that occurred, and you know, like, but that's a rarity. I mean, and right. we only know like a couple of our neighbors. There right. might've been a time in years past where you knew everyone and everyone in the neighborhood communicated, they shared food, they kept each other safe. Mm-hmm. And over time that has eroded. And so I feel like these kind of events beyond just, they sound fun as hell, Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would imagine it, it, it helps you reconnect to something that would be so easy to, to lose. I, I can, I can definitely say that in one way or another, I think especially, and this is coming from like a male perspective is just opening up is just mm-hmm. being more open. And f- at, at, at one point or another, it's, we we find ourselves closing up because closing up is showing a stern, tough face and doing yeah. all these things that you, you, well, I, I can be an army of one. Why can't I? It's like, well, mm-hmm. who wants to be? <laughs> why right. do you want it? Why do you, why is that your ideal? <laughs> well, um, and I think a lot of these events I can leave and I try to work on the compassion outside of mm-hmm. the events and look at other people's perspectives and try to open myself up to that um, and use it as a tool to, to de like to break down the system that I've been put into of thinking of everybody else as just another person in the city. Um, And no, at the end of the day, they're not, they're not just another person. They have a story. They are who they are. And we walk past all of those stories and all of those people every single day. And this is a good way for me to teach myself that they are who they are and this is how I can reach out to them and not to be afraid to do it. I think that's a super important lesson. And I would argue that like reconnecting with that level of humanity of viewing the people that you walk past, not as strangers, but as an extension of you or at very minimum, the culture that you're living in. Uh, that's that's an act of rebellion in in, mm. in the way that our mm. society is structured. It's it's counterculture. It's punk rock to be kind and communal. And I I think that's why. Like, there's a term I'm sure you're familiar with it called cottage core. Right. It's yeah, yeah. it's very prevalent, especially in like witchcraft spaces where mm-hmm. folks are sort of romanticizing a return to an old world way of living. And I think that again. The reality of 200, 300, 400 years ago probably isn't as pleasant as we imagine it. But I think what we're connecting to is that sense of community that that exists in those worlds by necessity of nothing else that we have ultimately lost and our souls feel that absence. Right. And I think because of the way communities were formed then, 
in a lot of ways is, and compared to now, is then the hesitance to go over to somebody and ask them for help wasn't there. Now, you probably knew mm-hmm. them more than the person that you would have to ask now because the communities were smaller in general, but mm-hmm. you're not hesitating to figure out what you need you're not, or to right. ask for help, or you're not hesitating to, the person next to you is in this at one way or another. And I think it's, I think it's scary as a society that we only ever bring up the common the 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 feeling of the common man or the people around mm-hmm. us it didn't matter we were just trying to get through this in giant moments of distress that's all that's right. that's when you hear about it that that's when you yeah. when you hear about surviving an earthquake or a tsunami or wars that are happening it's like why is that it why why, why are we waiting for something so bad to happen for us to be willing to find out that the person in the cubicle next to you find out their first name. Like, why? why, why? Yeah. And it's it's sad. And I think I mean, that's what... Go ahead. Sorry. No. No, I was just going to say, I just think it's a, it's, it's a lifetime of programming. Yeah. From, yeah. from this, you know, Church of Mormon that we, that we, that rules over us. Right. And, and, uh, um, Church of Mammon, rather, not Mormon, Church of Mammon that rules over <laughs> right. us. This, this church of, you know, this, this, this culture of money and property and consumerism. Mm. It's so much, you buy more stuff when you're alone, when you're looking right. to fulfill that hole in you, you buy more, you consume more, you use more. When, um, I just read a story recently and, uh, it was about a young girl trying to get these different pieces to get her car fixed. And, um, I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, so often when I want something and I'm fortunate enough to be in the position to do so, I just hop on Amazon and I buy it. Right. That's it. Right. I want a beanie, go on Amazon, buy it. Hey, yeah. I think I want some glasses with red lenses. Hop on Amazon, buy it, whatever inversion right. table, buy it. Right. Simple. Right. If you remove that option, would I be more inclined to say, hey, Ian, I noticed you have these glasses. I've never seen you wear them. Right. I have this thing. Do you want to swap? Like right. when we were kids, right? Right, right, like, right. Yeah. I, I had Bebop. Someone else had like a shredder and yeah. we just swapped the toys <laughs> because I also had Rocksteady or whatever, yeah, whatever the, yeah. the exchanges. Like that used to be a, a regular occurrence when we were children. And then as we get older, we lose all of that. And, and because we're in this sort of mammonized state of consumerism, which which thrives on our isolation, I think we're just we're missing the needs outside of when it's forced upon us, like in the case of an earthquake or something. Right. We're 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 sort of uh, it's imparted upon us that we don't need anyone else. Right. And and it's even and it's even bleeding into like romance and such. The society. The society overall, it, it doesn't want you to admit that you have less or that you could be lacking. Like that, yeah. that that's one of the biggest problems is that to to say that like, well, man, I've got rock steady. I would love that bebop. I have like you have to admit that you don't have that. Right. And that's already right. against that style of thinking. What society says is admitting that you don't. And yeah. it's I I think we're caught up in a in trying to find out everything that we can achieve rather than understanding and sitting down and being very real with yourself of the things you cannot achieve alone. Right. Right. And, and asking people for help. And it's funny you bring that up. Like the simple, it is play and play 
from the youngest age until the day I die is going to be a part of my world mm-hmm. because that is where you make the biggest connections you can. I, it's, it is intrinsic to being a child and formulating your view of society is play. So me doing it now, I don't look down on any of it and I don't think anyone should, but the same exact example happened just this last gathering where somebody we're, we're fighting these creatures and just like any video game, they only take damage from a certain type of like sword, right? So mm-hmm. everybody is scrambling to find silver swords because nobody has one and we're just doing nothing to these things. And the items you can make in this game can take years to gather everything you need, mm-hmm. right? Like to make a single item and somebody you don't know goes, Hey, you're at the front line. I just got hit really hard and I like need to go get healed. Take this item and they just pitch it into the crowd. <laughs> like, they, like they they that's years of work they've put into it, multiple hours to get this thing yeah. built and they go, "No, it's just needed for the greater good." Like and they just wow. pitch it into the crowd and then it's up to you to find them later. Yeah. Because there's nothing to say that you can just walk away with it. Right. Right? But in that moment you have to admit that you don't have it. The other person agrees and trusts you in that moment to take the thing that you don't have, use it to the best of your ability and then return it. Mm-hmm. How often do we wow. have that exchange? That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I was going to ask when it comes to, I mean, obviously you, you build your own character, right? That's right. like your own right. creation. And I would, I would assume that you probably enter every game as that character. I would imagine it develops over time or do you change it out? depending on the game. So it's, it's pretty cool because um, a lot of people uh, say like, oh, I'm going to play my main, which is mm-hmm. a character they created that they like to go through like every single weekend. And then they have what they call as their alt or the alternate mm-hmm. character. And mm-hmm. in this particular, I don't believe there's a limit to how many alts you can have okay. in this game. Um, but beside all of that, to, and this is a big part of the community, to make the game run, you also need bad guys. So you have what is called an NPC shift in game, which is a non-player character. So you go out as a monster and you get to be the bad guy that your friends get to defeat, right? (laughs) Which is fun, right? And it's especially fun when you're like, especially playing like a sentient, a very sentient creature and you can see your friend walking down the street. You're like, here I come. (laughs) Because you want that moment with your friend, right? But you kind of get a, a breadth of the world because you can play all these characters or an NPC and back and forth that you're not always the same character you can mm-hmm. be, but you can switch in between the alts or your NPC shift, which is right. just fun. Um, nice. And that's when you go out as anywhere from a monster to we've, we send out hecklers that just like <laughs> uh, somebody did something last gathering that like wouldn't have society would have looked down on. So you just find them and you like berate them for a little bit nice. like it's just like that kind of stuff and it's usually people sign up for that it's like oh no my friend did that can i go berate my friend it's like yeah right. of course you can so that's cool yeah it's it's all achieving this story together um i play one character right now uh mm-hmm. Lindsay is planning on bringing in another character so an alternate but she plays one mm-hmm. character right now and it kind of happens over time you have a really cool story that you want to go through and then you find another part of the world that your character doesn't really fit into um, through your skills or personality or whatever it is. Um, It's like, I, it doesn't make any sense for me to be in that group (laughs) and you can either push it 
or you can just make another character that can fit in that group and you can jump back and forth whenever you get bored. So, nice. Nice. Yeah. Now, now in terms of um, like assets, you, you mentioned that you come right. and you, you have a huge sword, how, right. how, or, or someone might design a shield rather, or someone might design a silver sword or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. How, how many of those tools do you bring in yourself? Does is it developed on your off time? Um, like as you're building, not only your, your internal character, but like your, right. the character's physical appearance and, and their tools, what's that process like? So, um, as far as, uh, like we'll, we'll start with garb or the things that you would wear as your character. Um, some mm-hmm. people just buy the stuff that they want their character to look like, or they, some people, uh, make it most often people buy it and then modify it. So it doesn't look mm-hmm. exactly like what everybody else can buy, but it is modified to fit your character's needs. Yeah. Um, that's all brought in by the player. When it comes to arms and armor brought in, those are all brought in by the player too. Some people mm-hmm. make their own arms and armor. It's the same way. There's a lot of DIY in mm-hmm. LARPing. And I, when I say DIY and LARPing, a lot of people think of, pool noodles spray painted silver <laughs> but which is which is fair yeah. but i then i like to point out to people it's like but look at the level where people are at with cosplay mm-hmm. right like yeah. they can fake anything with some warbler and like an yeah. l200 foam like it's insane that's what people are bringing into this game i have wow. and there are also people who when they want to be in a full knight's armor they are walking around in 60 pounds of steel all day and that is what they are fighting in and running in so while you can fake it not everybody does but it's a lot of diy um anything for your npc shift that's usually uh the game has a massive uh like basically library of costumes and uh different weapons and things that you take out on your npc shift to fulfill that role Mm -hmm. so npc shift all brought on by the game Although uh, we definitely tell people, hey, if you have garb you just don't use, bring it and use right. it as NPCs because why not? Like it, it just it adds more cool flavor into this into the world itself. Right. Um, I personally have not built any of my own weapons or shields or uh, armor. Well, I built I, I actually built some of my own armor, but the swords and everything that I just buy. So mm-hmm. um, and they're all made out of foam. Uh, so, but they look, they're really convincing. Um, it's like, this is a podcast, so I can't exactly just, I'd pull it out of my closet and you'd go, Whoa. (laughs) And then they'd be bored. But, um, uh, yeah, there's really convincing LARP weapons out there. Uh, and if anybody doesn't believe me, check out epicarmory.com, check out stuff. It's all foam and it's nuts. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, which also sells to the realism because especially with twin mask, it is a story front game. So everybody wants things to be and to look as realistic as possible. Right. So when the entire community is doing that, it, it people show up and set up insane tents and have crazy armor and crazy things out there that really branches away from the uh, old lightning bolt sketch that came across <laughs> youtube you know yeah yeah because i think for most people that's what they know larping as right yeah. lightning bolt lightning bolt lightning yeah bolt. yeah, yeah throwing, definitely throwing tennis balls and stuff and and or uh the movie role models right is right the first thing that came to mind which actually made me want to larp more because it's right. so fun <laughs> but there's this idea that it, I, to break the stereotype if we haven't convinced you 
yet. But right. like the stereotype that exists within behind this is like the the, the virgin nerd who like right, spends all right. his day reading and you know uh-huh. it's like a McLovin and you know that right. kind of thing. <laughs> but the reality of it is like when I look at you, obviously people can't see, but they'll see the thumbnail. Right. Like you've got an epic beard, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you're you're running around doing physically demanding things right. and it's very, very creative. I mean, to, to me, that's the quite the opposite of what people's perceptions are of this gaming. Um, and like, I have a friend who does civil war reenactments, oh, for yeah, example, which is another form, right? Intense. Yeah. And these guys, they're out there living as authentically as they possibly can within mm-hmm. the world that they've built. Um, it, it requires, I would imagine not only the creativity and the communication and uh, the imagination, and the craftsmanship to either build or or select and modify your your garb, um, that to me is very impressive. Uh, it's very, I mean, it it feels like, I mean, certain, certainly, I'm sure it's open for everyone, but it feels like it would draw in those folks who are the most creative, those folks who are willing to put the most into this world to really maximize the experience. Yeah, I think I think. I feel that LARP is also a rare occurrence that what you put into it is exactly what you get out. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is a, it is a return based system and it's amazing because we, again, that, uh, mom and style thinking, right. It's like, that's, yeah. you're not going to have, you don't have that. It's not yeah. always a complete return. You always get 90% of what you put in or mm-hmm. often far less. Yes. Far yeah. less. Um, but, that it everybody i i have yet to it's funny because everybody has a thought of what larp is mm-hmm. and i convinced somebody to come out for the weekend and i have had far more successes mm-hmm. than they have people go ah it's just not for me i've definitely right. had way more people go that was absolutely completely different than what i thought it was and i'm absolutely in love with it right right <laughs> so well- yeah, because it's like people love Game of Thrones, right? It was one right. of the biggest shows ever. Yeah, like basically, it's it's a it's it's uh, sword and sandals lore. Yep, um, Vikings was very very popular. Right. I mean, Viking aesthetic has has come from the screen into mainstream uh, fashion. Right, right. Um, I think that a lot of of those elements have translated over. You mentioned cosplaying earlier, especially mm-hmm. like in, within the world of like Harry Potter and Marvel and things right. like that. No one boxed at that anymore. 20 years ago, they might have. Right, right. Right. You know, 20, 20, 25 years ago when I was in high school, right. it was like Trekkies and yeah, like yeah, you know, right. comic book nerds. Right. No one says that anymore. No. Like, like people people make big money even doing just co- – I mean, there are folks out there whose, whose entire livelihood is buoyed on yeah. cosplay and their ability to do convincing cosplay. Right. And um, so really to me, LARPing is just – like that next step beyond just looking the part, but now actually it, it, even for just a weekend, like living the part. Right. And it's, it definitely doesn't go into the intensity that a lot of like the SCA stuff and like mm-hmm. uh, the civil war reenactors and things do. They, they live the hardships that they can. Like, mm-hmm. And that is that. And I definitely go back to an air mattress every night after fighting things because <laughs> I, I, I love camping, but when you're up for 20 hours at a time and you get three hours of sleep, those three hours have to count. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, well, that's actually a lot of fun is a lot of cinema people and like the film workers that we know, they get into it one way or another yeah. because they get to get involved. They get all the cool props. They get to do everything they wanted to, even if they're a back behind the scenes worker and our work in general makes us more immune to the effects of right. a 20 hour day out there just running around and exuding or exerting yourself constantly. Um, I think you, I think you touched on it earlier was like it, it has moved into a place where, and I've seen it even over the last five years I've been LARPing. I can tell people more often now that I'm LARPing and they go, Oh, cool. Tell me about it. There's right. far less stigma against you than there used to be. Right. Yeah. Um, and I all I like to sit back and think it's like, man, those Trekkies paved a way for us, right? Like one way right? or another. It's like I've gone to those yeah. conventions and like I I have a Starfleet uniform, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. I'm I'm no different. But there's a lot of hardships that they went through oh, yeah. to get to this level. And the hardship that they went through is based in bullshit, right? Because <laughs> it's yeah. like that the like people were just judging them to judge them. Be, yeah. when they were accessing a type of camaraderie and community that many of us long for. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, I, yeah. I just, yeah. And I don't think we know how to find it oftentimes. No. You know, I just don't think, I mean, we look, the average person will look around and they'll walk outside their house and they'll say, okay, well, I guess I could go to the mall, right. which is just a marketplace or I could go, maybe I could go to the beach, but you're probably not going to talk to anyone there. Probably. Right. Uh, you know, amusement park again. You're probably not chat. You know what I'm saying. But even right. even things where you are in a group still feel somewhat isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, sports would be the big exception to that. Yeah. In terms of mainstream thing, like especially like if you go to like a, especially if you're in a town that that where sports is life. Right. You can absolutely be immersed in the same or, kind yeah. of way. Um. But I I think that and I've long since held that if you can just find a way to introduce something different into people's life, something with a little bit of magic sprinkled over it. I I think that they'll r- recognize that there's value in it. Right. Because, because they're not, it's like, it's like, um, it's like if you eat fast food every day, fine, you get sustained, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be okay. You probably won't even know what you're missing for a while, but after, at a certain point, you will feel like there is something that's just a little unsatisfying. Right. about it it may it may technically satiate one's nutritional needs or arguably but right. like but there will be something missing now now stop eating mcdonald's for a day and go have a meal with some friends anywhere right. i mean honestly right. even if you went inside the mcdonald's still ate it yeah but just did it with someone else right just that i you know i i've had some folks on the podcast where we talked about getting coffee at denny's yeah. You know, and what yeah. that experience, like some of my deepest friendships, my longest lasting friendships right. have been born out of late night coffee conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if, if you could just find a way to introduce that into people's lives and, and allow them to remember for just a moment what it feels like to live a life not buried in concrete and commercialism, mm. I do think that more people will if they don't choose it outright, they'll at least be understanding and accepting of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think 
like I said, I had more successes than I've had failures introducing other people to this game when they go, oh, I'd like to check that out sometime. Like, great, let me know when. And they come out and they're surprised by it. And I I think a large part of it is that it's it's again i think we've touched on this previously but it's just rare to find a space to do that it's Mm -hmm. to to find a place where that little bit of magic is just at first you think oh it's a costume it's the props it's this it's that it's like all the stuff that's around you like that that movie magic is brought to you but it's not Mm -hmm. that It's, it's not actually it's an underlying thing that everyone there is on the same page right we've all agreed to something just like all of your friends at some point or another you're sitting around the table at the denny's and she comes around and you look at the other person knowing we're getting another cup of coffee right and there's (laughs) a there's a there's a mutual it's like oh we're digging into this and everyone's agreed right yeah and that's a special moment that bonds people together and this is a part of it i think that's that's what larp allows people to do or at least gives us a moment yeah, you could tell while that that's why it grew from the the, the silver painted pool noodles right. to the more intricacies, right? Because yeah. it was never really about the aesthetics per se. It's about the environment that you create, right? And and especially in a world where we don't create those environments often, this allows that. Uh, maybe escapism was not the right term. Maybe it's actually a return to a more natural feeling, a more natural state of existence than the one that we currently live in. I think I agree with that because there's, I I think, I think with us being able to, we, we all live different lives because of our different careers or where we live and everything. And, that, but there, there is a, there is a underlying point where, and I don't want to stress this too much because there are things that people are going through now that I will never go through. And there are mm-hmm. things that I can only hope to understand and hope have open arms to accepting that other people go through, but there is a point where everyone is a human mm-hmm. and there is a, there, there is a through line there. And with these stories and these people, you're not explore the, the fantasy world is just a cool way to explore the problems that we can mm-hmm. now discuss about the world, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's taking it out of a threatening real world context and putting it before you in a way that, man, if I really don't like this, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> but I can, I can go through the emotions and, uh, and go through the thought process of dealing with something like this on a bigger scale, yeah. which only prepares you for when it shows up in your real life to go, oh, yeah, that was entirely fantasy, but I can see the parallels between this. And this is how I handled it. And it actually worked really well. <laughs> so. Right. Right, right. You're, you're learning. It's the same thing of, of conflict management with two kids and a ball on the playground, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it, it's it's origins to that, and I think I think you find out that at at the end of it all, humans are we want to be connected to each other, and you just have right. to find the space to do it in. I, I agree. I think the space is the most important part, and also in a lot of ways, the hardest part. You know, right. because again, you know, it's it's most of us aren't independently wealthy where we can just, you know, buy communes or plots mm-hmm. of lands or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that uh, I think you mentioned earlier the space where they hold the Renaissance Fair sort of opens that space to you. Yeah, um, we're not even Renaissance really there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Renaissance Fair is coming up fairly soon, a month right. maybe from right, now. Right, right, right. Um, after a couple of years of being down because of the pandemic, and mm-hmm. um, 
I'm extraordinarily excited. I've been telling right. like not right. only Jess, but like some of my other friends, like, like we got to go this year. Yeah. Have you know, because because a lot of my friends have never been before. I've been oh, a couple of years, like, right. and I'm just like, it, it's it, it is a it's like an experience like no other. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like going to an amusement park, uh, and part of it's the immersive, you know, aesthetic, right? But you, I I think it's also the form of entertainment that's available. Mm. So like you're not on your phone, you're throwing an axe. Right. Something kind of primal. There's something certainly something physical about that. Right. There's like, it requires a skill set. Um, you're watching jousting. Yeah. And you're watching like how cool is this? You're like, right. even this, I mean I'm vegan, so I have a lot less options at Renfair, but right, right. You know, for for anyone who's inclined to eat meat, like you got, you know, big giant turkey legs and and food of some of the food which is which is more period accurate that allows you to sort of be immersed in that. and then all around you and i'm a huge proponent of art is craftsmanship right. artisanship all around you people just make cool stuff cool clothing i want a friend who has open moon designs who's always at ren fair i have right uh, i've bought stuff from the shops where i bought like a a bronze placard of the green man and like yeah there's just these various things that you can gather the swords i always right you know, I always find myself in the sword tent. <laughs> of course, always been amazed by right. the the craftsmanship behind it, and it's not manufactured by a machine. It's not manufactured by a, a at a processing plant that goes in a box that right. shows up at your house. It is something crafted through sweat and labor and love, and that comes through because it's hard to replicate that in a more. Um, technology centered society. So uh, I would imagine that not only is it cool that they give you the space and that there are some aesthetical pieces up and erected that you can sort of lean into, but also, and we talked about egregores earlier, you're not just feeding off the energy of the LARP, but you're feeding off the energy of every Ren Faire that's ever, it's almost, it's like, it's like thinking about like it as holy ground. Right. Right. I'm a big Highlander nerd. So like, right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, holy ground, you know, like it's like the, 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 it's, it's almost sacred in a way yeah. because of this collective energy that keeps getting poured into it yearly or in the case of the LARPing monthly. And it, and it, 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 it penetrates the entire environment that you then step into. Right. And I think, I think to, to touch on like the, the occult side of things to a certain extent is at some point, I think you're going to, you find that heading to this space where we play this game, you'll find more parallels in between looking at it as a ritual space mm-hmm. than not, because yeah. you know what you're doing there. You are committed you're there for a very specific reason and everything else is pushed off to the side. There is a, there's a, you, the energy is there and what everyone is bringing and the hard work and the labor Mm -hmm. to put something like this on, especially with 300 players and what we do, it is, I I'm part of the staff for this event. We have weekly meetings like, and, and you, and most of us have more than one meeting a week to Mm -hmm. go through and not only people writing story, but I'm head of safety. So mm-hmm. I have to, we're working on and working with a brilliant team of people that are helping to make sure that nobody, everybody gets to walk away, no matter how many swords hits them, right? Like right. <laughs> those kinds of things. It, it is, there's a lot of labor put into it. And on top of that, you have players who not only do put all this time into their character and making sure that all their friends are having fun around them, but there's a, 
there's a few brilliant players in game who put on actual plays about <laughs> things that have happened at game as wow. their characters. They write them out. So then That's you all so sit cool. around and you're watching a play about the world that you're experiencing, which gets That's so cool. deep down the meta side of things that it makes the world feel more real because you're watching a farce of what took place at the last game. Like it's yeah, but it's, it's all hard work. It's all hard work. So, and I think overall people need to be willing to see, no matter if you understand it or not, the work people put into things. So, I'm curious about this because it, it, there's there's clearly uh, you know not only the craftsmanship involved, but there's a, there seems to be a physicality that would be to some degree necessary. Uh, certainly, if you're one of the folks that are, is running around in sixty pound armor or, or even just carrying right. a sword, do you do any sort of training beforehand? Have you like studied any formal sword fighting or anything along those lines? Um, so uh, the first thing I want to touch on with this is actually that. Um, Twin Mask itself is uh, very, um, very uh, inclusive about mm -hmm. what anybody else can do at any given time. Mm. Um, so if you are a player, yeah, if you if you are somebody who can't do some a lot of those physical things, there are parts of the game and rules in the game that facilitate it, no matter what you can or cannot do. That's cool. So uh, one of the big things is like a um, one of the things you have in game is like parry and mm -hmm. parry is just, you know, as you would in any other action movie or whatever, are able to parry a blow. Um, if you are struck with a sword and you have a sword in your hand and you have bought the parry skill, mm -hmm. you can call parry and it is as if you were never hit by that sword. Very cool. My character is much cooler than I am and is <laughs> faster and would have gotten that in and with a flourish deflected the blade, right? Right, right. So, or at any given point, you also have things that are, for any attack that's thrown at you is dodge. Mm -hmm. So you can buy the dodge skill and I use it often, no matter how physical I am, where it hits me and I get to say dodge instead, right? right? So nice. there's, there's no matter where you are in your physicality, there is a space for you at this game. Um, we even have what are called non-coms mm -hmm. and it's non-combatants and uh, they do not engage in combat, but their characters can still endure combat. Mm -hmm. And what you do by that is by pointing at them and you will call the strikes that you normally would have against somebody um, by pointing at them. And they are they are counting the damage, but you are not physically touching them with any sort of weapon or anything else that is involved in the game. Right. So no matter where you are on the scale of physicality, there is a place for you at this game. And, that, and the game itself is actively always moving forward and working to become a more and more and more inclusive space. Um, outside of all that, yes, I did have some former sword fighting. Uh, or like training. Mm -hmm. um, I did live steel reenactment for a while. Uh, a lot of fun, and zero of it translates. <laughs> there is no, there is no, um, and I'm not, and I'm not one of the like. I see some of these SCA guys, and they are combatants. I did live steel reenactment, so there are times where it's yes, I do know the 
movement, but the sword fight is choreographed, right? So I'm on a different spectrum. Right. But even knowing how to and doing some of the like basic baby level SCA fighting that I have done, none of it translates because you're using manuscripts in the SCA and ways to use these different techniques. And at the, the end of the day, the guy you're fighting at LARP knows none of those techniques and does not <laughs> care, uh, does not care. Um, uh, so it is also, Twin Mask is also a lightest touch game. Mm-hmm. So you are not swinging for the fences at everybody you meet. It is actually supposed to just signify to people, touch, okay, you are hit. Right. Um, now, because of that, you run into another side of things, which if you are fast, you are <laughs> deadly. Right. So there's a thing, you can't go over three hits in a row, but if you can just pop, 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 that counts. Right. You just touched them three times. They have taken damage. So uh, there's a whole other level of physicality to that. And that's why when you're hefting an actual sword and ready for combat, and the one of the one of the swords I fight with weighs like I think I clock it's like seven ounces. Wow. It's a it's it the core of its carbon fiber and it is foam over the top of carbon fiber. It is it's a beauty. I am fast with that. <laughs> um so com- real combat doesn't do much. Now, I'm sure somebody will argue with me on that. Um, but the other really cool thing, and with the space outside of this, is that we also have fighter practices that are outside of the game. Nice. So you just show up, and it's, uh, it is what people do think, or what LARPing once was. We all get together in a park with our foam swords and <laughs> swing them at each other. Right. But it's getting better at knowing what LARP fighting is. Um, which is different than what most, you know, the swords, the, the, uh, um, as the swords and sandals movies will show you. Right. Right. Well, it's always funny because I've done a decent amount of martial arts training over the years and right. You know, in your mind, what you imagine and certainly if you watch movies and sort of what, what it looks like when you see a a choreographed fight versus when you get into a real world fight or even just a, a real world sparring session. Right, it, it it gets way uglier real fast. Bullet shoe <laughs> yeah. ugly, in fact, at times. Right, um, because because of course it's Hollywood, right? Versus like the real world when things yeah. aren't quite so clean and and the person you know you always wonder like watching a sword a choreographed sword fight like if if someone zigs what if the other person doesn't zag what if they zig also yeah right you know? yeah use a finger that way easy so yeah um, I could see where it would be beneficial to just get some real world experience with other folks so that you don't go into it with the misconception that you're going to do this very graceful, uh, you know, mad Mardigan sword play thing. And then, <laughs> right. and then it, it's for, it's for not. Yeah. Um, the, the skills that you can buy as your character in game will make you Legolas rather you can fly down a set of stairs on a shield and shoot three orcs. <laughs> like there's just like, uh, so, it it does get to a point where there there are affectionately called stick jocks okay and those are the guys who and i have become one of them <laughs> who we we really like the just getting down and working on our technique for larp fighting mm-hmm. being as fast as possible and there's now tournaments just for that like outside mm-hmm. of larp there's no character play or anything uh, there are companies that make tournament level swords just for LARP fighting wow. because it's all speed and moving and pairing as fast as you can. And it, it looks a lot like Olympic fencing. 
right. where they're just, there's no movement and then there's a flurry of movement and someone's upset and right. you have to watch it at like half the speed to figure out what happened. Right. Um, but we also strive to be as safe a game as possible, even when things can possibly get ugly. It's you are entering a realm where there's a possibility of you getting hurt. Right. Um, uh, a few years ago, we had somebody, uh, nobody was hurt and had to go to the hospital or anything. But if you're running around in 60, 60 pounds of armor and the other guy's running around in 60 pounds of armor and you don't see each other going around a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was one of the loudest noises I've ever heard that wasn't caused by a actual like car crash wow. <laughs> was these two guys running into each other. So there is a point where you can, there is a physicality to it. Um, yeah. But the space itself and the way the game is designed is also to not limit anybody by what they can or cannot do. Right. And just another example of, of, uh, of things that we can learn from this world that we should be implementing into our normal world, into a world right. where that is more inclusive, that is uh, take into account people's various uh, physical strengths or uh, capacities or skill levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, hopefully as people are listening, they hear the parallels between, you know, we can look at this and we it'd be easy to dismiss as just say, well, this is a game. Cool. Right. But I think, I think that over the course of this conversation, it's been very evident that it is in fact more than a game. It is shaping a a reality of sorts with its own sets of rules, uh, um, its its own sets of uh, interactions. And, and yet while there was, no need to structure it in this way. It does feel like it sort of, again, whether it was by design or instinct, naturally was built in the manner that we would like to see the rest of the world behave as. Right. And I, I, I haven't played. So the game itself, I believe is 10 or 11 years old and I've Mm -hmm. only been playing for five of those. Um, And I think, like every other organization in those first steps, there are some mistakes that have been made. But the thing is, is the reason that I stick around with this is because everything that has been brought back, they've corrected Mm -hmm. and they work on and they're continuing working on to help people uh, feel safe and included at the game itself. So um, I think, I think the biggest thing that, LARPing can really show somebody like just from not like forget the story, forget all the other stuff is seeing somebody given who is given a space to exceed in their element. Mm, yeah, There are multiple players there that their minds are steel traps and they will recall things from years past to figure out the problem that we're seeing now or mm-hmm. recall the name of some character that I should know, definitely don't remember. And watching that person excel in that moment is amazing. Right. He's like, oh, well, this, this, and this happened, and this is who they talked to, and this is the lore behind this, and this is why we have to get this, this, and this to defeat this person because they're brother to this person. You're like, okay, that's <laughs> awesome. You're like, you're just kind of awestruck in those moments, just as much as I'm awestruck by some of the fighters that we have. Right. right. Um, and I, I, I think, yeah, everybody has a place, and it's a, it's a huge lesson that can be taken out of LARP into everyday situations and into the real world. I agree. I agree. Now, last question. Um, 
was is there any moment in your life growing up that drew you into this sort of appreciation for the sort of sort of sa- sword and sandal genre did you did you always right. sort of grow up enjoying it was there one movie that sort of like ticked that box for you and then from then on you were sort of uh, enamored with that world so I have to I have to blame my mother um, <laughs> and uh, this is one of the few things I can do uh, my mom throughout her college career played Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out and she said I'm going to teach my children how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So my first dungeon master playing Dungeons and Dragons was my mother who ran it for me, my sister, and my best friend. It was great. Um, from there on out, it was basically, it was kind of a safe space for me. I like, I like fantasy in general. I, I, as much as I like seeing tropes subverted mm-hmm. i also feel comfortable in knowing okay that's the guy who's going to do this and that's the guy who's going to do this and right. this is comfortable to it's it's the reason why we rewatch tv shows and movies yeah um so why i don't think being introduced to everything at a young age means that you're going to love it forever it is definitely something that i've hung on to and the larping aspects came into that came into being when uh, I actually had gone through a really bad breakup mm-hmm. and I just decided it's like, well, they, they, uh, they had a set of friends that I was also a part of and everything uh, along yep. those lines. And it was like, you know what? I need to branch out. And I love fantasy. I found this thing. I found other people who were thinking about going out. And so it was just, okay, why not try it? Right. And so from there on out, it's been a, it, it's been a journey. It's been one hell of a crazy thing to do. Um, but yeah, that's where it all stems from is a D and D game that my mom was running. And now I'm staff at a LARP <laughs> in Southern <laughs> that, California. That's really awesome though. I think that infusion of fantasy yeah. and enchantment is important. It's necessary. And I think it's something that we have as children generally, but we lose it pretty fast. Right. Um, the, 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 the easiest way to tell is if you ask a child to pretend to be a lawyer or a teacher or anything else that they perceive to be an adult role, they, the joy from their face drains away. Wow, it's because yeah. like their perception of what an adulthood is, is devoid of that joy that they, that were sort of born with, uh, which is sad, but it's what happens over time. And then the rest of it gets beaten out of us, right? We get into middle school and high school and we're told right. we're not very cool. Like those Trekkies, right. And and uh, or t- we're told that we won't find romantic partners because of these interests and whatever. Right, and right. I think that we've Which, both proven it's not the case. I, I've met my yeah, I've met my fiance at that game. The game I am playing now is how we as is. And now we're getting married in a couple months. Like, yeah, it's, thanks, it's, congratulations, like so, seriously. right. Thanks so much. Uh, but um, I agree. I think I think the other thing that I get to say that that I feel very. um. I, I, I feel privileged to be able to say when you think of when people think of their childhood and they go, oh, man, I remember this game attack. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That was just and we all have those memories. Well, mine happened last week. Hmm. Right. And that's yeah. an awesome thing to be able to say yeah. is that I'm still making those like, whoa, man. And people bring things up and like, oh, man, yeah, that was last year. That was insane. And you right. can have those stories that are continually developing. And why wouldn't you want that? to bring that happiness and those new memories of something that is going to stick with you forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I have to blame He-Man in my instance, 
Oh, um, good. Yeah, I had all the He-Man toys. I was huge into that. Yeah. And then, and then later Willow, which unpopular opinion, but I think Willow's better than Lord of the Rings. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I have a few take. friends. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. a hot take. I have a few friends who agree with you. So, um, but that's funny. That it's funny thing is that despite all the stereotypes that exist around <laughs> LARPing, the reality is that it's a very cool environment. I think we've highlighted that it's a com- it's a community in and of itself. I know folks who go to every Ren Fair, for example. They just travel around. They get, they shut up their shops right. at every Ren Fair. Um, I think that the uh, it seems like to me, and certainly you can answer. It, it feels like the the LARPing and Renfair communities are more open to alternative versions of spirituality, a uh, fair amount of witchcraft and and magic and practitioners within that space. Um, it feels very inclusive. It feels very much. Yeah. It feels very uh, adventurous in other aspects beyond the battlefield in in people's personal lives. I mean, it, it's actually my experience with it is that it's a very um, liberal in the, in the traditional sense. It's very bohemian. It's very artistic. Right. It's, it's very um, carnal at times. It, it's, it's a return to naturism. Uh, it, all the things that if you take them outside of the world of fantasy, if you just explain those to people individually, they would probably be open to it. And all those things kind of exist within these worlds just by right. happenstance or, or whatever the energy draw sends to bring those kind of folks into the fold. Right. I, I think uh, overall um, it is definitely, I I've met many, I'm a Norse heathen. Mm-hmm. So like I, so over, I've met many other people who practice witchcraft or any side of the occult at one of these things. And nobody bats an eye at it because at the end of the day, whatever your thoughts are on it, we also just did agree that our best friend is a troll right now. Right? <laughs> right? So there's, there's already, there's yeah. already a level of just like, we just don't, we, you can't, you have no room to judge anybody yeah. else for anything else that they may bring up as long as it's not hurting anybody. Right. Um, and it's, it's funny you say that too, because recently I've had a few people approach me. They use a few uh, like um, runes and Viking stuff in game. And they're like, Hey, is this offensive? And I'm like, this is the farthest you can get <laughs> from its original use. Like if someone does have offense from this, we need to talk to them, not the right. other way around. Right. Like you, you, the, that's part of the sorcery stuff, right? Is like things that look occult, just look occult. There's an yeah. aesthetic to it and you have to lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's an amazingly inclusive space, and uh, just like Renfair, there are people who travel all over the country going to different LARPs. Yeah. Um, so it's it's there's a larger community there. Again, people you don't even know, you can go to different LARPs and still find all the things that you want wow. from your home LARP there. So yeah, it's a uh, there's a, and I think everybody can be drawn to it, and I think everybody can learn from it. Yeah, no, right. Really. Seeing a community function like that. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I think if, I think it's almost necessary for us right. to remove ourselves and to uh, from the standard quo and to introduce back into our lives what communities can look like. Communities right. that yes do make mistakes but learn from them, right? Mm-hmm. Communities mm-hmm. that um, find roles for everyone from each according to their abilities to each according to their needs to be accepting of different spiritual practices. You know, I right. I've often said that the, the uh, occult spaces need a little bit of a sense of humor beyond memes, because at the end of the day, if someone were to watch me doing ceremonial magic, I'd look like I'm just doing invisible drawings in the air. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, I, I take my practice seriously, but I also have to yeah. recognize that from an outsider point of view, right. you know, I can, I can have, a, I can have a little bit of levity, 
you know, with it uh, yeah, as well. Yeah. And that's the, it, it goes again, like I was saying, where I have these moments with Lindsay where I'm like, man, I'm just standing here with a foam sword in my hand talking about the deadly, like, time-altering dream god that we are going to have to go fight and you are taking it seriously and i'm taking it seriously and we just have to accept that if anybody else just took this snapshot we would look like every other interpretation cinema has ever put up of larping right, right? right. <laughs> we're, we're, and, and if you just take that out of context it's there yeah so but, but it's and, also the fun well, part of it right Right. Oh, it is. It is. It's very much the fun part of it. It's exactly what you want. You want to have those moments. You yeah. know, you want to. And later on, you realize like that. That is what it is. That is the community that you want to be a part of is when everybody can accept that and run with it and yeah. nobody questions it and everybody is enjoying themselves. Yeah, it sounds it sounds super yeah. cool. And um, I hope that folks have, who have listened have a deeper appreciation for LARPing and Twin Mask in general. Yeah. Um, if anyone is interested, if they've listened to this podcast and they're like, this sounds fucking awesome. I want right. to do that. Like, where can they go? Um, what 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 are the avenues for them to sort of find their local LARPing community? Right. So local LARPing community, I mean, honestly, because there's going to be games set up, there are some franchise games that are across the entire nation mm-hmm. that have, uh, they interact with each other. Um, outside of the realm of fantasy, the big one, uh, that everybody talks about is dystopia rising, which mm-hmm. is a zombie LARP. Okay. Um, and that is a franchise across the entire country. So you can find somewhere a game for that. Um, but specifically for searching it online, I think there's a website and I don't know it off of hand, unfortunately that can help you locate LARPs near your area. You can put it up. It's basically like a, uh, a, a at, a Google kind of thing sure, yeah. <laughs> where you can yeah, you Google it and the website will come up and it'll say, Oh, these are your LARPs that are within this many miles of you. Okay. And those LARPs can register that way. Um, if anybody's trying to check out twin mask, uh, please come by twinmask.com is the best way to go check it out. Um, and uh, reach out because they have a discord and an amazing player base and any question you ever have, we're more than happy to answer. And I've have yet to find a LARPing community. I haven't ran into that, won't say the same thing that's cool so yeah if you find them reach out they want to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) i could tell i could tell Uh, and and if anyone wants to follow your socials i know you're not really that active on social media yeah so i've yeah so i've ran a i've i've put a lot of those aside to focus on my business so i'm going to put out my business socials uh that you can reach me at um so i run a beautiful little company called witch and heathen with my fiance and we make candles ritual candles spell components and things like that we also run a subscription box so you can mm-hmm. check us out on witch and you can also check it out on instagram and we also have a face uh facebook page as well so you can find us and it's witch and heathen uh super easy to find us that way that's awesome and uh, that would be the easiest way to get in contact with me great i think that's the best usage of social media too i've been i've been slowly transitioning mine into far less about me as a person and more about me as the artist i don't even use my you know i use my pen name on everything social media because it's that's the version of me that's my character i guess so to speak that Right. I feel comfortable. That's the mask I feel comfortable putting on when I do art, whether it be writing right. or photography or even this podcast. Like it's, it allows me 
to sort of drop into it's not a fake persona because it's it's me it's but it's you. like a version of me it's the version of me right. that's devoid of all the bullshit that's been heaped upon my consciousness over the last 40 something years from mainstream society it's the part of me that just says i'm being an artist i don't care if it's right. pretentious fuck it yeah you and I, th- I think that's what that's the power that social media can have right yeah. is to give people a place to express yourself in the way that you want to be expressed and show people the way that show people how you would like to be viewed Absolutely. And we I would, have that power there. So please use it for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, even more so if you're looking, if, if that beca- sounds attractive to you, then go check out a LARPing game because it sounds yeah. like even, even more than, than being able to do that on, on, in a digital platform or digital space, being able to do that in a, in a live uh, reality with interacting mm-hmm. Face to face with other people, people you don't know, people that you may not perfectly agree with, people who look right. different than you, act different than you, yeah. come from different environments. Like that is how we build humanity through diversifying our experiences. And it feels like the environment that's created there does allow one to be the the, the ideal version of themselves, the hero of their story in whatever way they conceive that. And I think that's beautiful that that exists and that's an option for folks. And I I hope more people uh, are driven towards that, at least to check it out. Right. Yeah. And it it is, it is, there is no experience greater than being able to walk in a room of people and say, this is who I am. This is how I want to be referred to. And this is what I am bringing to the table. And everyone says, Thank you. Yeah. Great. Love that. That's beautiful. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So yes, if anybody's interested, please come experience that because I think you should all experience it one time in your life when 300 other people look at you and go, great. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Well, so, Ian, thank you so much for your time. This is, yeah, I've learned, I've yeah. loved just learning about this myself, you know, before right. this, I, I had very little information about it, but now I want to do it when I get back home and yeah. Oh yeah. I'll drag you out there. Yeah. I'll be home in a couple of weeks. Give or Good. take. So, so, um, let's get together when I'm home and yeah. uh, thank you for your time. And I hope you enjoy the rest right. of your weekend. Yeah. You as well. Thank you so much. I'll, I, I will be looking forward to your return. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Talk soon. Yeah. I want to thank Ian once again for coming on the show and sharing his perspective on Twin Mask and LARPing as a whole. Uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we not, sometimes when I have these conversations, I'm familiar with the person's uh, background or, or maybe I have some understanding of what we're going to talk about. And sometimes I'm walking into it nearly blind. This is one of those instances, the latter. Um, I saw a post that Ian posted about... Uh, LARPing and I thought how fascinating and interesting this might be to explore and to learn about and to get some different perspectives on it and and I wasn't let down I I I feel not only more informed but actually very intrigued and tempted to try this myself and I think it really speaks to and this is something that we've touched on that we are lacking these sort of communal spaces for us to bond with strangers the the result whether intentional or otherwise of social media is that we've gotten so accustomed to siloing folks uh in the into sort of these echo chambers of yes men and uh i just was seeing posts the other day about how folks were saying they would never stand with so and so and never stand in solidarity with this kind of person and, and i understand it there's a lot of emotions and certainly some of these folks that you may be asked to stand with 
might have some fairly unsavorable, unsavorable beliefs. And I totally understand why if someone spouts uh, negativity that the idea or just are an asshole for that matter, the the idea of standing with them in solidarity seems um, impossible. And yet, I think it's important. I think it's important that we move beyond our petty differences. I think how we dissolve some of these unsavory opinions and these um, disruptive and negative viewpoints is by humanizing each other. By finding common ground, we we break down and we uh, erode the walls that we've erected that keep each other at bay, that keep each other less human. Because we live in a world where everyone is so atomized and isolated and and, and uh, compartmentalized into specific viewpoints, it makes it very easy for us to look at other people and say, you're a monster. And maybe in some instances they are. Some people are beyond um, growth of their own choosing. However, it's we always have a choice as well. And that choice is to try to uh, open our mind and our hearts to different folks, and I, I guarantee you, because I've seen it and I've, I've experienced it myself as a person of color who has dealt with my own forms of bigotry levied at me unfairly over the years, if you can break past the aesthetic, if you can break past the visual, and you can become human in the eyes of someone who might have a bias against you, oftentimes that's the first step into breaking down those biased opinions or beliefs or feelings. Many times, those are really just there to uh, explain away some other frustration that someone has, whether it be uh, the frustrations of living under capitalism or uh, whatever it may be, you know, their, whatever their place in life seems to be eroding, their status in life seems to be eroding, regardless of whatever their inner turmoil that they're trying to find some sort of answer for, the first step in breaking that down is making them see that at the end of the day, despite our physical appearance or our, uh, or our opinions, that we are all human and that we are all one. And this is how we form better communities. It's not by canceling or shoving into a corner or pushing. On. It's, like, it's like when you were asked to clean your room as a child and you just shoved everything under the bed. It doesn't make it clean. And, and pretending that we can just block and cancel and shoo-shoo away all the unsavory folks in the world doesn't make the world a better place. It just puts your head in the sand. The only way, so far as I can tell, and it's just one person's opinion, but the only way that we can start to form a better world, a world that we claim we want to live in, is by breaking down boundaries. It's by helping your fellow stranger. It's by putting your sword next to their sword to combat a common affront. It's by we willing to give up what you have to someone else who may be in need and for them to return the favor back to you. It's by showing empathy and compassion, even with someone you don't know. It's not stepping over the homeless person on the street. It's not blocking every single person with a stupid opinion. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing for me to do. Hard thing for anyone to do. I get it. But I don't know another way to move forward otherwise. And I think the lessons that Ian was talking about, that, that his experiences on um, you know, this LARPing battlefield can be lessons for us all to take. And I hope that 
you all come away with that same those same lessons that I did. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you once again to Ian for uh, his time and his perspective. And I look forward to chatting with you each and every one of you next week. And so until then, gold rings on you all.